Thank you for joining us today. You're listening to Hope for the Heart. This is William Rogers, and I'll be bringing the message again today. This is a look at the book of Revelation as we're continuing to explore verse by verse this book of Revelation, and it is an exciting book. I don't know if, uh, how many of those in the, the, that are listening can can say they've been through a verse-by-verse study of the book of Revelation, but I pray that you'll stick with me and we can go through this and see what uh, what God has in store for us. So today I want to give you the context by which I will be speaking and trying to explain some of these things to you. We're in Revelation chapter 6, and we're looking at the... Uh, the seals that are breaking, being opened or are being broken to uh, to reveal what's on the, the written part of the scroll. And so I'm going to read today the context, which is uh, chapter 6 of Revelation, verses 3 through 8. And these are this will finish out the first four seals, and then next time we will look at the fifth seal. So for the point of reference, first or this is uh, the book of Revelation, chapter 6, beginning in verse 3. The Word of God says, And when he broke the second seal, I heard the sound of the living creature saying, Come, and another red horse went out. To him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace from the earth, and that men should slay one another, and a great sword was given to him. Verse 5, And when he had broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, Come. And I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard, as it were, the voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarii, and three quarts of barley for a denarii, and do not harm the oil and the wine. Verse 7, And when he had broke the fourth seal, I heard the, the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come, and I looked, and behold, an ashen horse. And he who sat on it had the name Death, and Hades was following with him. And authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with a sword and with famine and with pestilence and by the wild beast of the earth. Well, we are in this uh, section, this uh, a powerful reading of the, the Word of God, and it's, uh, it brings all kinds of images to your mind, and it's a very frightful thing to think that the world is going to be going through this. And so let me get right to it to try to explain this. We're, we're looking at the seven seals on this scroll, and we're going through these seven seals, and they encompass the whole uh, period known as the tribulation period until the final coming of Christ. The first four of these seals, which we will finish up today, uh, take place in the very first half of the tribulation period. The fifth seal will be in the middle, and it's kind of a... Uh, a pause there in which there will be a lot of persecution and it will be the abomination of desolation spoken of by, in Matthew chapter 24 and Daniel chapter 9. It's also identified there as 42 months or three and a half years or 1260 days. And then the sixth and seventh seal are the final judgments of the second half of the period. And I hope that's not confusing because we're going to go over this uh, dozens of times in, in order for you to get some kind of an understanding of that. So the first four seals depict uh, judgments coming directly from the throne of God, coming directly from heaven to the earth, and they each have a horse and a horseman. Uh, they, they got the term, or been given the term many times, but the four horsemen of the apocalypse, which we mentioned last week, and that comes directly from Revelation chapter 6. Now, to remind you, these four horsemen are what Jesus calls in Matthew 24, the beginning of birth pains. I know some, I've had several people say that they've never really associated Matthew 24 with this. 
Well, uh, you should, because it's exactly what it is. Anticipation of the birth, there are birth pains. And the, the birth pains are the beginning, and they become, in a, uh, they become more and more intense and more and more pain. And the final event that they're, they're, they're for is the birth, which is the birth is referred to as the coming of Christ and the establishment of his kingdom. So these beginning of pains are the very first part of the tribulation period, and they will continue to last all the way through until the end of the tribulation period, which Christ will come back and set up his kingdom. Now, the second half of the tribulation, Matthew 24 calls the Great Tribulation, and that was a name uh, that, that has been assigned to it. The first half is the beginning of birth pains. The second half is known as the Great Tribulation period uh, for the world, but yet for the Jews it's known as the time of Jacob's trouble. That's the second half as the persecution will continue. And then will come the sixth seal uh, in about two weeks. We'll look at that, which will be the coming of Christ, and that's when people are going to realize why these judgments are coming and uh, they are going to be extremely frightened. But we'll take a look at those at that point. So we've, we've already begun looking at this. The first seal has been opened and a white horse, and we've, we've described that in detail as far as peace. And the second seal, which is uh, one I just read in verses 3 and 4, we even uh, begin to pronounce uh, some of these descriptions and un unfold some of this as we looked at it. And then that second seal... It follows the peace, and we don't know how long that peace will actually last, but that defines the very beginning part of the tribulation period. And it's hard to say how long it will last, but I don't think it lasts long, because when you get into verse 3, the breaking of the second seal, uh, another a red horse went out to him who sat on it. It was granted to take peace from the earth. And so he's going to take the peace from the earth that the first horseman allowed the peace the, the world to have. And, of course, we've said this is a false peace, and it will be carried about by the Antichrist. And so you look at this, and when he broke the second seal, I heard the sound of the second living creature, and that's just another way of saying the uh, one of the four living creatures found in, in the Revelation chapter 4 and Revelation chapter 5. It's just one of the cherubim, and uh, a red horse goes out. Its uh, second rider is, uh, is not peace. The second rider is war. And we've uh, began to detail this last time. So just a few more of the little details of the second seal. Uh, notice that it's a he, uh, meaning the, that he's speaking here. And it is uh, directly from the throne. It's directly from uh, the Lamb himself, which is Jesus Christ. The second living creature hollers out. And this one, again, is a, is a cherub. And uh, he is speaking. And so we have a, a difference here in this second seal as a, almost like you could say a, the, a difference between red and white. White being a false peace, red being war. And red is also a color for fire. Red, uh, like blood, speaks of uh, the, the, the pains and the terribleness of war and war in its most frightening and devastating form. We know it's war because it says it takes peace from the earth and men are to slay one another, and a great sword was given to him. And so this red horse went out, and to him who sat on it was granted. Well, we paused last week to take a quick look at that, and I've been reminded that several times that I'm assuming, and this is not assuming, I want you to notice this, uh, to him who sat on the horse it was granted to take peace. Well, who is it granted from? The only one who has the authority is the same one who has the authority to open the scroll and to, bre to break its seals. 
all points to this being from God, from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Some people try to say this is not the wrath of God, but uh, there is only one thing you can call it biblically, and that is the wrath of God. It comes from the throne, and uh, there's, I don't think there's any question here. In Mark chapter 13, we read in verses 7 and 8, and when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, don't be frightened, because these are the beginning of birth pains. It's the beginning of the period, and so even in the second seal, we're at the, still at the beginning of the tribulation period, where war begins to break out, and it is known as one of the birth pains. Uh, this is a force of war that comes... And it has three features. The number one, to take peace from the earth, verse 4. And second, men are going to slay one another. And the third is a great sword was given to him. And we, we pretty much looked at those generally last week. Uh, but uh, this great sword is given to him. It's not a sword that would be a, a long, decorative kind of a sword. It's more of a sword from an individual uh, uh, person that's going out and fighting, I, I could not think of the, the, uh, the name, but it's a soldier that goes out, and it's a sword, a personal sword, and it is meant to do deadly harm. That's the picture here. At this particular time, whatever positive things have been going on in the world is now being snatched away. It's going to come to a screeching halt. And there's a picture of this found in Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 15, if you want to take a look at that or mark that down sometime. Now, at the, at the point of this uh, going into this, or coming out of this second seal, you have to realize there's so much that's going on here, and I'm only going to give you the, generally speaking, there'll be some, a lot of specifics, but generally speaking, this is what Revelation gives us. But there's also things that enhance this uh, uh, and give us more meat on this, uh, this outline if we were to go to Daniel, for example, uh, verse 7 through uh, verse, uh, actually verse 12, uh, chapter 12, chapter 7 through chapter 12. And then if you were to go to other books of the Bible like Second Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, Matthew chapter 24, and, and there's just so many other little places that we could, we could go to, but I'm trying to stick here. And the reason I'm even mentioning that is because when this war is breaking out, boy, the devil, I mean the Antichrist is really working hard to, uh, to fight, and he's, he's very much in control on the earth at this point. And we'll take a look at some of the things about the Antichrist later. I could dive into it now, but it would eat up the rest of our time, and it doesn't even explain these scriptures. So I want to stick to the scriptures. And uh, look at the third seal, verse, verse uh, f- 4. Uh, no, I mean verse 5. And when he had broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, Come, and I looked, and behold... And here it is, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales. Now, this seems to be a lot different, but yet in some ways it's the same. It's another cherub speaking. It's now the third horse, or the third seal. Uh, this is not carrying a weapon in his hand. or he's not given, It's not peace in the first seal. It's not, a, it's not war the second, but it is something that goes with it. But the scales in his hand is, is a very interesting thing to look at. Uh, and then this scales is identified, and look at verse 6, I heard as it were from the voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, and then he talks about this, which is part of these scales, a quart of wheat for denarii and three quarts of barley for denarii, and do not harm the oil or the wine. So hunger is the effect of worldwide war, and so that's what we have here. We have hunger, we have famine that is following this. This would be, the third seal would be identified as famine. And again, this is one of the birth pains that uh, talks about in Matthew chapter 24. 
Uh, in verse 5, the rider on the black horse has a weapon, but the weapon is a pair of scales in his hand. And it's a very interesting thing. But I want you to notice that in the middle of verse 6, it says, uh, the, uh, a voice from the center of the throne. And I want you to know that uh, the voice in the center of the four living creatures is none other than God himself. Who is in the very center and around the throne? God, it's God's throne, so God is in the middle there, surrounded by these four living creatures. There's no question in my mind but that God is the one speaking here in verse 6. And he says, A quart of wheat for denarii, three quarts of barley for denarii, and do not harm the oil or the wine. This is God speaking. And again, it's a reminder. This is judgment. This is judgment. I've seen this stuff interpreted so many ways to, is, is to just do away with the fact that it is judgment. But it is judgment. He speaks of the fifth seal down in verse of uh, verses 11 and following. God speaks again. So there's no reason to assume this is not God here. Now let me just tell you what this means. A quart of wheat would, be, uh, would sustain one person who had a very moderate appetite for one day. A denarii is one day's wage. So you would just... Uh, be able to eat uh, and buy enough food for yourself. Provide nothing for your family. If you're, this is a person with a family, the food, and this would just simply be for one person. He also says three quarts of barley for denarii. You could get more food to feed your family if you settled for barley. Now, barley was considered animal food. Animal food would be uh, lining up, taking your choice between bread and dog food, basically. Uh, low and very nutritional value. Barley was cheaper, but at least a family could eat something, and it would take all their money for that, which would feed the people animal food. These are famine conditions. That's what war is going to do upon the world. So this is what this third horse represents. And then God says in verse 6, Do not harm the oil and the wine. There's been all kinds of interpretations for this, and it's, uh, it's very interesting, but these are the bare staples uh, they're not luxuries. All was used for preparation of bread or for cooking as with wine. He says, you better be careful how you treat it. Don't hurt it. Don't waste it. Don't damage it. It's precious. It's measured out and treated with tremendous care. You, you can't hurt grain, but you can certainly hurt those things by breaking or tearing whatever they're in and being wasteful. Real famine, real, real famine, global famine is coming. World peace is going to come. It will be taken away. Famine and war will be following. And it is not a very pretty picture. Now, I want to look at the fourth seal. We'll come back to some of this. But uh, the, the fourth seal is, is, is a very interesting thing to look at. I want to make sure I cover these. The fourth seal is found in verse 7. And he breaks the fourth seal. And uh, you see the exact same scenario. When he broke the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth cherub. Now, we know that's who the four are, and that's why there's four. They each play a role in this part of the judgment. And so he says, Come, and he's commanding the next horse and the rider. And I look to behold, uh, and there's a number of translation ways to do this, but it says a pale horse or an ashen horse. And some of your versions in, the, in your Bible read that over in verse 8. I look to behold, mine says an ashen horse, and he who said it had the name Death in Hades. Now you'd be interested to know that the Greek word for this horse here, the color of this horse, is the word that we get the word chlorophyll or chlorine. And usually it's associated with green or sort of a pale green. In fact, the word uh, for this appears several times in the New Testament, and each time it's referring to grass or vegetation. 
So he sees a pale green horse, and he who sat on it had the name Death and Hades were following him. And authority was given them over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and with famine and pestilence and the wild beast. Now here's this pale green uh, horse, uh, a decomposition or a corpse, fittingly the one who sat on it has the name of Death, which follows war and famine. Uh, what follows famine is death, and what follows death is Hades. It's just another word for grave. Uh, the, the, the grave comes, as it were, and the grave diggers come, and the shovel to collect the bodies, and death destroys that. And so this, this is just a way of saying this. Hades, it says death and Hades are following him. Uh, you'll find that this team is covered in chapter, Revelation chapter 20, death and Hades again, you see there, and, and many times throughout the Old Testament. Uh, but more than that, verse 8, authority was given to them. And, and you see this, authority was given to them <coughs> down in the middle of that verse. Authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth. Well, who gives this kind of authority? Who gives the kind of authority to take that many lives? One-fourth of the earth's population. I want you to understand that's what this is saying. One-fourth of the world's as it would phrase here, as we would translate this literally, one-fourth one fourth of the earth dwellers, as people, one-fourth of them are going to be killed. Well, who gives that kind of authority? By whom? Well, who gave the authority? It's God. God, because this is the unfolding of his title deed in his scroll and his judgment. Authority was given to them. Now, that's a lot of people, and the God is the only one who has the the power and the authority. Remember to even open the scroll and to see what's written in it. Now it's estimated that, and I, I could I find all kinds of information here, but we're over six billion. One one saying thing said almost eight billion people on Earth, which would make it uh, if it is eight. Uh, that, that's a lot of people that are going to die. Let's just say it's it's eight, or let's just say it's six. It's still going to be between one point five and two billion. People, unthinkable number of people. It could literally wipe out two continents, and we have all kinds of ways that can do that. Uh, right now, even with our own weapons of war and, and, and things that we have, but this is God's judgment. Whether He uses and allows countries to use this to help and aid in this, I don't know. But there's four things that are going to do the killing. It's going to be the sword the famine, the pestilence, and the wild beast. Now, this is a fascinating, very fascinating section because, you, you know, we, we know what a sword is. In fact, that's the picture here of one-on-one combat in verse 3 and 4. That's a picture of man against man, person against person, fighting for death uh, till one dies. And that's the, that's the terrible picture of war. And then the famine comes, and that is the picture of from family to family to family. Everyone will be included. And then you have death, and there will be, you, you read, 1.5 to 2 billion people will die. And then he throws in this, that it's not just the sword and famine, it's going to be pestilence and wild beast. It's like, well, what are these? these well, these four have been predicted by God to be his means of final judgment in a number of Old Testament passages. Uh, you don't always see those exact four, but you might find three of the four or two of the four in, in different ways. But in, in the book of the Old Testament, 
there are so many places. Jeremiah 14, 12. Uh, Jeremiah 24, 10 is another one. Uh, Jeremiah 44. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 6, verse 11 says, for example, Thus says the Lord God, Because of the evil abominations of the house of Israel, they will fall by the sword, by famine, and by plague. A plague is just another word for pestilence. And so you, you begin to see, wow, this is, this is nothing new. And then all this comes back fully around to us during the tribulation period. Ezekiel chapter 14, for example, probably the most significant one, and you can read beginning in, in verse 13 and going for down for several verses, and you'll see how all of this is even brought about even more to describe these four together. And again, those four are listed right here in verse 8 of Revelation chapter 6, when he says authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill. Well, here it is, the sword, the famine, pestilence, and the wild beast of the earth. Well, what is pestilence? Pestilence is not a word that everybody actually just understands. It's actually the same Greek word for death. Uh, but it refers to here is not just death, but the cause of death. So it's really a, it's a hard thing to translate here, but Jesus said there will be earthquakes and in many places, and it's a word that could encompass natural disasters, all being a part of pestilence. It can refer to the earthquakes, it can refer to natural disasters, or floods, or biological weaponry, or it can refer to anything. Uh, even it's One writer even puts it, it can actually refer to nerve gas killing millions of people. And so there's going to be a worldwide devastation that's going to take place, and it's going to cover the world, followed by famine that's going to take place. You know it uh, that's, that's going to create a health and sanitation of all things. And I know that, uh, that uh, you're probably aware, even though you've not been involved in it, you know that's what it would cause. But I want you to, to see why a pestilence can cover so many things. But, but what about the wild beast? I've always found it interesting, especially I've actually sat in on a few studies where they were trying to handle this, and they just went crazy with this because they didn't know what to do with it. But in Revelation 6, it adds pestilence for sure, but then it says wild beasts. Well, what is that? Do we have the kind of wild beasts that could be uh, devastating enough to us to eat up a lot of or destroy a lot of people in America? Well, I don't know, but I do know this. Let me ask you a question. Do you know the most deadly creature on the face of the earth? That's a tough question. I have not been asked that question lately. So that's why it's fun for me to ask it, because I haven't been asked it. I don't, know, I don't even know how I would have answered it. But I'll give you a little hint. It's not a snake. It's not a lion. It's not an alligator. It's a rat. That's right, a rat, R-A-T. Historically, the deadliest creature on the face of the earth is a rat. Wow. Now, let me give you just a little bit here. Rats are annually responsible for the loss of billions of dollars of food in America. This poll was, was I got, it was actually taken in 1990, said billions of dollars, and by the year 2015, it said, and of course, we're way beyond that even, it said it will be in the multiple billions of dollars in food alone, death all over the world, rats have infested people with bubonic plague, they killed a third of the population of Europe in the 14th century, uh, you get that straight from the encyclopedia, rats can carry as many as 35 different diseases all at one time. One rat can carry that many different diseases. It's amazing. 95% of the rat population is, uh, is 
cannot be exterminated. They say cannot be killed. Uh, we, we can't find them. We can't we can't exterminate them fast enough. Uh, and so it's uh, in any given area that would be true. Uh, they will replace themselves in less than a year. In other words, if you were to kill a hundred, uh, you will have more than that replaced in less than a year. And so uh, rats, I mean, I, I didn't take rat one-on-one, but uh, there's a lot of information on rats. It's just too much to kill, too much to give you. But they have killed more people than all the wars of history. And it already makes it home where man dwell. Already makes its home. In other words, rats already live right where we are. I mean, there's rats all over the place. War, famine, earthquake, sanitation goes. That's just going to be a natural result of war. I praise the Lord. We have not fought a major war here in my lifetime. But I can imagine this. I guess I've seen movies. No medicine, no living conditions uh, can, can, can help. The rats may be wild beasts that run wild to kill. This may be what Revelation is referring to. Uh, it's definitely what Google refers to as one of the deadliest creatures on earth is the rat. And so it, it's going to be uh, followed uh, during this time. Is In fact, all this comes after the four seals. And so the, 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 or actually at the end of the fourth seal. But the first one's peace. That's taken away quickly by war. One-on-one war fighting combat between person and person. Uh, one man said that in, in a book I read, it was, it was just nation against nation, but it's actually not. It's actually person to person. And then you have the famine that is going to be uh, reaching into all areas of the world. Uh, I imagine there's not going to be much growth happening as far as farmlands and transportation because there's so much going on. And even today, as I'm sitting here, there's a massive... Uh, port problems in, in on, on b- both coasts and trying to unload cargo, but stores are going to run short of food. And this thing just is, is a sampling of what we've got coming. And this is not even considered, or that we actually, there's a lot of people that call this uh, bad and can be very deadly. But this is nothing compared to what's coming. Uh, it's going to be considered divine judgment when it comes during the tribulation period. And people will know uh, that it is going to be very bad. And so it isn't until the sixth seal, that's two seals later from where we are, uh, next week we're going to look at the ninth seal, uh, I mean the ninth seal, the ninth verse, which covers the fifth seal, and then we're going to look at verse 12 in Revelation 6, which is the sixth seal. But it's not until the end of that sixth seal that people are going to realize this has been God's judgment. What a what an amazing thing to ask you. We ask, but you might ask this question: Is there any hope for our world? After all, this website is called Hope for the Heart. Well, let me let me tell you something. The answer is hope for the world. The answer is no. There is no hope. This is going to come. This is inevitable. But there's another question you need to ask, and that is: Is there any hope for me? Uh, This being hope for the heart, I want to give you the answer, and that answer is yes. There is hope for you. There is hope for you, and it's only going to be individually. You can't ride on anyone's coattail. You can't be saved by someone else. It is going to be you and you alone. Your hope has to be in Jesus Christ. There are people who not only have been delivered from alcoholism, they've not only been delivered from false doctrine, but they've not only been delivered from their own sins, their inequities, but they will be delivered from all of this. 
There is a way to escape this, and that is you must call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. That is the only hope you have. Otherwise, you will face these impending judgments, and we know what the outcome is because we can read the outcome right here in the Word of God. So is there any wonder the writer of Hebrews said, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? And the answer is, no, we won't escape. Jesus has provided a way of escape by way of the cross. You must call on Christ. Every believer today has called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and has been saved. True believer. And so that is your hope for today. That is what you are to do if you don't want to live in the midst of these impending, fast-approaching judgments. So for now, this is William Rogers, and you've been listening to Hope for the Heart as we are explaining the book of Revelations, uh, the book of Revelation, and we're in chapter 6. Next time, join us as we will explore Revelation chapter 6 again, verses 9 through 11, and we will look at the fifth seal and open it. And I think you're going to be amazed because the fifth seal is actually a look inside heaven. about, And it's going to be a look in heaven about all the people that have come to heaven during the first four seals. So that's going to be interesting. I can't wait to get there. Please stay with us. Continue to read your Bible. Do not take it for granted. And again, I thank you today for joining us on Hope for the Heart. Goodbye.